Oh my gosh. Can you believe it? We, we made it. We made it to the end of the year. <laughs> oh my God. Ooh. I'm Sophie. And I'm Maddie. And welcome to Single Best Scene. This week, we are doing our finale of season one. So exciting. And we have a nice little lineup for you guys of some of our favorite clips from this season. And then at the end, we are going to do a little 2020 recap talking about sort of the status of TV this year and what we thought was good, bad, and ugly that happened in our very special pandemic era TV, which of course did really affect a lot of TV shooting schedules and then of course threw off all of the viewing schedules. So look forward to that at the end. But in the meantime, please enjoy the little snippets of me and Mad's favorite discussions. First up, we have our discussion about our favorite jokes and bits from The Great. I think that Peter, played by Nicholas Holt. Holt. Yeah, Nicholas Holt. Um, Like, everything he does is funny. Like, <laughs> everything. Like, there's not one scene where he is not both the setup and the punchline. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like, he just does it all and just such like great casting he's brilliant so funny did Um, you ever think he was hot no so I realized (laughs) so back to me I realized that at the beginning of the show I was not attracted to him at all Uh and by the end of it I was like shit I would date I mean I wouldn't date Peter necessarily because he's a monster well but yeah. I was there were moments where I was like well I don't want him to die he's kind of <laughs> hot like I'm okay with it I my opinion of him did not change in me thinking he was or wasn't hot I was always kind of like just objectifying mm. men right right I was like well you were always like a six seven to me but like not for me you know what yeah, I mean? yeah yeah um he did date Jennifer Lawrence for a very long time in real wow. life oh that was him mm-hmm. he was in <gasps> I think X-Men that's not my brand so I'm not yeah, yeah no, I'm no, not super positive Interesting. yeah well you know my type is like could be a professor. Your type and also would be outlawed in the show since one of my favorite <laughs> bits is that men under 50 aren't allowed to have beards. Yeah, I know. Oh, yeah. As soon so as they you... said that, I was like, fuck, well, I guess I'm not going to love anybody in this cast. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, yeah, he, everything he does is funny. And eventually I do, at the my change with him wasn't like, oh, I'm more attracted to you. It was I think you're a better match for my queen, Elle, right? Like at the beginning, he's like oh, so yeah, yeah. emotionally unavailable. And then like his character arc is As so he great. he fell in love with Catherine, yeah, yeah, yeah. he fell in I, love with well, Peter. I, well, it's not that I fell in love with like, Peter. It was he like fell in love with I bought into was it. more supportive. Right. I was like, oh, this is happening. Like right, right, right. This, this is where we're going with this. So like, that was great. Um, but as far as, oh, well, so then I guess like (laughs) relating to Peter, um, my favorite bit that they repeat (laughs) often is Peter repeating himself so that his friends will laugh at the joke, Mm -hmm. um, which is something 
I wish I could do. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and I, it's funny, usually because sometimes the joke is actually funny, which is great, but it's just funny that he know, both knows he has the power to get that laugh, like instant gratification. He knows that they're going to laugh at him because he's the king and like that's what his friends do for him. But also you know, the fact that he also thinks he's hilarious, you know, just really thinking highly of himself in all kinds of ways. So I love that. And I just love any time, well, the scene where uh, Catherine is at breakfast with him and she makes a joke about killing him because he's terrible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he, they both just like, <laughs> like laugh it off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just like loved that moment because like I also as a viewer was laughing so like all three of us were laughing for like different reasons right right um I mean I guess we were kind of laughing with Catherine at Nicholas but that was just like a brilliantly set up scene and very funny for everyone what's yours so I have a few the Grigor Peter and Georgina dynamic oh my god I loved it so much so the first few episodes I was kind of confused I feel like I kind of went on a similar similar emotional journey as Gregor did where at the beginning I didn't really care and then I was super invested where it was like I one my favorite thing that this show did was they didn't make Catherine care that Peter had affairs I love like that. it was totally chill for them both to have lovers mm-hmm. it didn't matter they Catherine didn't hate Georgina because right. she was sleeping with her husband nope. like that was so not an issue and but I like, actually like that Georgina, like side note, was on Catherine's side. Loved Georgina. Usually. Yeah. Yeah. What a girl's girl. Like she fucking knew. Like right. she saw through the court bullshit. She didn't care. Mm-hmm. And she was all about self-preservation, but not in a way that caused her to riff. Because she totally like could well, have been with the other bitches in the court and like not give a fuck about Catherine, but she, put she was smarter of, than that. And her and Gregor have a conversation where, because Gregor, if you've watched the show, knows eventually, like for our listeners, Snaps. I know you have, <laughs> but he spins out, right? Yeah. He poisons Peter, which is so Amazing. fucking so funny. Fucking and then funny. so many people try to kill Peter so while he's poisoned. Like yes. he gets like suffocated four different times, <laughs> but like- I think it's only by Muriel and he just keeps getting. <laughs> yeah. They, like, a how lot of people try and kill him. Die in that moment. So funny. Um, but so he eventually spins out and kind of seeing that Georgina kind of has fallen in love a little bit with Peter. Mm-hmm. Like she's a little bit more emotionally invested than oh, I think she's like willing. After that, when she got like pushed out because. And she was so upset. She was so upset. And so then Grigor realizing for Georgina to be happy, like Peter is a part of their relationship. Mm-hmm. So that was funny. And then also. I mean, the moment when Peter crawled into bed with the two of them, like not, not romantic. No, 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 not romantically. He was just like, like lonely, a child. like went to go hang out with his friends. Yeah. His pals and like jumps in bed between the two of them. I was, I died. If there wasn't like a, like my favorite platonic relationship on the show is Peter and Grigor. I think because Grigor equally loves and hates him and Peter yeah. has no clue. It's an interesting like, dynamic. Peter doesn't pay attention to what's going on if no. people are laughing he assumes that they're laughing with, with him, him not at him never at him yeah. if they're silent they assume it's because they respect him not hate him <laughs> like he just assumes the best of himself at all times mm-hmm. even to the point where when Grigor was like it really fucking pisses me off that you sleep with my wife and mm-hmm. he's like oh I can only do it twice a year then and it's like <laughs> neither one of them like Grigor hadn't even thought to say like stop say anything right, right right and so I just thought that their dynamic was funny and then when you throw Catherine into the three of them, mm-hmm. it's like a weird balance. And I wrote down a little interaction between them mm-hmm. where um, 
Catherine's kind of like fishing to see if Georgina would be on board if she were to right. take over. Like it's definitely mm-hmm. like she's sussing out the waters. Yeah. She's also trying to frame Grigor for the coup a little bit right. when they're all in this room. And she says, um, so funny. Uh, Catherine says, you're more than what's between your legs. And Georgina says, are you calling me a dumb whore? And Catherine says, I'm more implied a smart whore, <laughs> which is just the epitome of their relationship. Yeah, that's their in whole that, relationship. Like, yeah, yeah. They're not friends, but they respect each other for the right, different right. things they bring to the table. Totally, totally, totally. So that's one of them. My second one is another Peter. It's just how quickly he gets annoyed with people <laughs> and will just be like, fuck off, I'm bored. Yes. And like, you're the you're the emperor right. like you're everyone's boss like can you mm-hmm. imagine like if your boss was just like fuck off i'm bored and it's like i still need and then, an answer like, leaves the meeting yeah. yeah so that and he does it a lot and he acts like such a child and just like when he makes everybody listen to them play like the violin just like the blind confidence that peter has <laughs> is amazing to me but yeah. my absolute favorite thing that peter does mm-hmm. is him not being able to figure out what to be called <laughs> so like his dad yes. was peter the great that running joke and so he's like peter the me Peter the <laughs> terrible like Peter the pe- like he can't figure out what is the next best thing and so then when he does his science experiment you know it's going to be terrible and it's the this is science where he just throws the dog out of the window and you're like Peter you're not you're not doing it and then my last thing I mentioned before beards being banned for men after 50 I thought it was going to be a throwaway but then it like is a thing right like Gregor mm-hmm. grows a beard out and like Peter doesn't know how to like tell him to shave it right. really and then the guy who is ends up working in on the coup has all of those like face pox marks yeah. from doing it which is so sad but also like it all goes back to like because Peter thought that men over 50 looked better with beers than men under 50 and then the women God. and men but particularly the women wearing wigs as hats oh like they God. don't know and like that was so funny I watched an interview that She's Hulu like, did where they wigs not hats where they talked about it, where like women in Russia actually did this and men would use them as accessories. So they would like use them as hats and just like take them off and put them on the table. So wow. it was like an a- like a historically accurate thing, thing, according to this like thing I found sure. that Hulu did that we can put I in mean, the I mean, it kind of makes sense. Like Russia was out there. So them not knowing how to wear wigs. Yeah. Next up, believe it or not, me and Maddie do disagree on things all the time. And... <laughs> Here is one prime example when we were talking about Marvelous Mrs. Maisel and whether or not Joel is the right man for Midge or not. So enjoy this clip. I think, though, if Midge were to settle down with anybody, it would be Joel. Like, I don't think I she don't would want them to get over. back together. I Why do you want them to get I back together? I don't care if you don't want them to no, get back together. No, I know, I'm but like, saying, I think- I'm saying I don't understand. Why do you want them to get back together? Tell me. Because I don't get it. I think they have great chemistry. They love each other. They know how to speak to each other. I think the respect that he lost in season one was built back over time. I think they did a really good job in showing that they're friends. Like, even when he shows up at divorce court with her. Well, sure. Like, the the dynamic between the two of them, I just think, is really interesting and cool. And they love each other. And I just am a fan. I love Benjamin. I will be but happy with she's with any of them. do you think that he's ever going to get over the fact that she talks about their sex life on stage? I don't think they'll ever actually get together. That's the that's what I'm saying, is I think that they will always love each other, and I don't think she will ever get married. Again? Like, ever, no, I don't think that a, okay, a steady Okay, how did you feel about the fact that they got drunk and got married again in Vegas in That made me two. just laugh. I just enjoyed the storyline in I, season three, because they got oh, divorced. That, oh, that was in three? And oh, then right, two yeah, episodes later, they got married i just thought it was funny and showed to me that like 
they still have this compatibility and I don't necessarily know if it's for marriage. I la- I love that, but I like their them together. I I liked that I was fine with them doing that cuz they still are going to get divorced. Like would have liked well. Like they are. Theoretically. When she said my soon to be ex-husband again, like they're sure, planning it. But they're also like dragging it out. Like the plot is dragging, like a story arc. I think I just I just didn't was wanna... fine with this. I I just wish it would have been the scare. Like I wish it would have been them in pictures in a Vegas wedding booth, but like no papers were signed because I was just like, what the fuck? Like we just went through the the entire season two was their divorce, and yet here we are, like literally whiplash back again with they're married again, and I don't, I just don't know. I can, why the fuck else would they do that if they wouldn't have, if this second time around, they're going to make that marriage stick again? They're not going to make it stick again. Why, then why did they do it? For the just comedic storytelling of showing- Then they would have wrapped it up though. Like it happened early in the season. It happened in episode five. There were eight episodes and six, seven, and eight were her on tour with Shy and him opening the club and dating May. So I just don't think they wanted to waste any time getting divorced. I just genuinely don't think they had enough story for it. But they could have just- like when she said that, when he opened it, like when she opened it, I mean, time is a flat circle. She could have said my ex-husband for the second time. And then all of us as viewers would have been like, oh, guess the divorce proceedings went through. Like, you know what I mean? Like it didn't need to be a whole thing. Yeah. I just don't think. Especially since we saw it the first time. I just don't think it's like, I don't think it's a marriage. They just might never get divorced. Like they might just stay in this weird open marriage of like, they're not dating. They're legally married, but like that doesn't mean anything because he's, paying for the kids school he gives her alimony like he's they they have like a healthy uh, non-healthy dependency on the other one but um I thought it was funny it didn't bother me and I, I just, just didn't it's just I, felt like I just think it's like in one of those I did not love season three I loved season three Ugh, I felt like we were just trapped <laughs> Next up, we have our, well, my list of the 16 worst B-plots in Riverdale, which if you've seen the show, you know there's probably even more that I left out, but uh, here's that rundown. I didn't do a best B-plot, and instead I listed 16 worst So you did B-plots. like a BuzzFeed style listicle. I did a BuzzFeed style listicle. This is in no specific order. We're just going to power through them. Here we go. Number 16, Betty obsessing over the serial killer gene still, like, can't let it go. Even end of season four, she still is obsessing over this and how she thinks it's ruining her life, which, you know, what comes first? It's now, like, a cycle of her thinking right. she's... Well, it's like a self-fulfilling... It's like, that's yes, a raven, yes, right? Exactly. You see the vision and then you make right, the vision exactly. come true. And then number 15, the real half-brother, Charles, who we still don't actually know any backstory about. He's kind of been in as this pseudo brother figure I guess kind of helping Betty guide her a little bit but we've also seen him wiretapping her phone and the whole thing with Chick at the jail like you mentioned just a lot of question marks with him but they haven't given us anything substantial about him and who he is Chick just in general is number 14 a a B plot I didn't need right he was a lot and the weird like video cam sex cam stuff like I just didn't need anything with Chick or the... Oh, because yeah, yeah, he yeah. was like a, vid- a cam... Yeah, I don't like know a cam boy or whatever. Cam- I don't think it's a tickle. I, I don't know. Which I hope you talk about the tickle videos. That is literally coming up. So Perfect. Because what the actual fuck is 13 that? on our list of worst B-plots, everything about Hiram. Yeah. 
Couldn't have co-signed. 12, the tickle videos. Did they, okay, so I know they just... Which if you haven't watched season four, this is in season four. Yeah, so I know they torpedoed Kevin's storyline with the farm. I think yep. they made him commit too much. Way too much. And then we didn't, he didn't have enough story before. So like, I don't like Kevin anymore just because he was so annoying in the farm and like didn't believe Betty and oh, he was just so annoying. Mm-hmm. But then to have his only plot in season four be these weird tickle videos, I was just like, yes. do you hate him? Like, clearly, they're supposed to be, like, I guess, in replacement for, like, sex. All right, hold things. on. What the fuck do you talk about? <laughs> <laughs> okay, 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 okay. Let's back up for okay. a second. Okay, so, basically, how are you going to... How did, how did they... Someone, like, approached you, Kevin, I think. Like, and they out were of like, the blue? Yeah, like, on Grindem. Um, oh, that's right. He was going to go on a date with him. Okay, so, yeah, I Grindem, think so. which is They're Riverdale's grinder. grinder. Wow, they got real creative. Kevin, I know. They're not very creative with <laughs> any of the fake names. I so, almost think they're too creative with the fake names. Like, just call it Grinder. I know. I and, know. like, move on. I don't know. So, Charles, or Charles. Kevin. Kevin goes on a date with uh, somebody he matched with on Grindem. And the guy is like, hey, actually, I think you would be great for these videos that I'm making uh-huh, and you don't have to do anything weird like you just tickle like let some guy tickle you <laughs> yeah that's not weird you're it's, right that's yep, not, not weird, weird at, all. at all no no it's not totally weird especially for a high school senior yeah Super high school normal. senior high school Super senior normal. but he gets paid like tons of money and then he took yeah. over the tickle ring and right then- so he <laughs> yeah. so okay no no, no. I told okay. you gotta watch He's the show getting paid like three or four five three or five grand an ep uh a, video a filming right and it's like him and another dude and but like sometimes it's like him and a guy and a girl whatever and and it's just them tickle i guess even it's though that's what literally we're told. like we don't see i yeah but it's it's it is supposed to be just tickling like it's not they're not trying to mask it as anything else within the show is it like a sexual thing like are they doing this mm, naked is it like, no, a, like i mean no, like not a, that i know of not that i know of but it's clearly sexual Right, okay. right, like obviously, okay, like it's yeah. so fun. Like outside the show, we know, like the audience is like, oh, that's what this is. But within the show, like it's not like a sex abuse thing or like exploitation. Right, it's theoretically it's because it is just actually a bad B plot. It's a just a terrible B plot, and then yeah, and then towards like a couple episodes in into this like drama, he brings a couple other. Teens from teens his high school. And because it's like good money. And this is crazy because the first thing that comes to my mind, and I just started watching this, is the Epstein documentary oh, right, on yeah. Netflix. So this is like <laughs> making me think of that instantly. So it wasn't. I mean, it's not not that. I'm not like saying yeah. that there's some creepy old dude doing some really twisted shit. Right. But like. No, it's plot lines are pretty similar. Pretty there. similar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's just really bizarre and That's insane. That's that is a shitty B plot. It's a shitty B plot. Well, and it didn't really wrap up because they tried to take over it and then the season got cut short. Well and then they got like threatened. Yeah. And they I don't know. Really, the, whole thing. the whole thing was a mess. Um, and okay. then he did like a variety show where he kissed Archie. So <laughs> yeah, that episode was a mess. So number eleven, several deaths from Griffins and Gargoyles, which I, it just sort of was like loose, like random deaths. Right, right. You know what I mean? Like it was never an important character. It was always just like, oh, we're going to bring this random character in yeah. to kill them off to make this more dramatic. Although on, upon my rewatching, which I wrote down in my notes, which I didn't bring, so joke's on me. But there is a blonde kid. Yes, Benjamin. Ben. ben. 
Babe. Okay, so I here I was thinking, like I just said, they bring random characters in for the episode, kill them, and they like Midge. I'm very confident it was in no other episodes other than the episode where she got murdered in, in the Carrie episode. She was in a few, but yeah, she wasn't important. <laughs> she was not important, whatever. But this is the only coot, or I don't know if I'm going to say, not going to say it's the only coot I'm going to give the writers. However, someone was thinking, because Ben is the boy who commits suicide out the hospital window after Jughead found him right. and Dilton Doily. Dilton Doily. And they're like sacrificed to the gargoyle king in the woods. So he finds Ben. He brings him back to the hospital. He's recovering. His mom, they talk to the mom, whatever. And then Betty and Jughead go back to visit him and he's sitting on the window ledge. Right. And says, you know, we'll ascend, we'll all ascend, you know, we'll all be in a better place. And then just like tips himself out the window and commit suicide. So when that happened, I was like, well, all right, that's very dramatic, but this is some random, random kid. No, he has been in the show from like episode like three or four. Right. Because he, and actually the mom gives us a little like wink nod because she says, well, he's just been having such a hard time since his piano teacher got murdered. Oh, so he was... He was one of Miss Grundy's students, stu- and there's a shot of him leaving Mrs... When Hal goes as the Black Hood to kill Mrs. Grundy. Right, he's... She is, you know, sitting there with a with Ben, playing the piano, and then she's like, okay, like, bye, and they kiss, and he leaves, and then she goes back in her apartment and gets murdered. Mm-hmm. And he's in another thing, which I remembered, and I wrote it down, I can't remember now, but he's been, like, sprinkled in right, right. the show... Um, in a more complex way than I realized, so good. Well, I think that's what's that. so frustrating about the show as a whole is that the plot points are so good; they're just buried in so much. Right, you can't. It's so hard to even it. just yeah. follow it because they twist and turn too much. No, absolutely. Then number ten, the Sisters of Quiet Mercy testing Hiram's fizzle rocks on their patients, like their drugs, and also encouraging them to play G and G. I. The Sisters of Quiet Mercy, I think, is the darkest part of the whole show, actually. Yeah. Like, for sure. Every time they had anything to do with anything, I'm like, whoa, like, three steps too far? Um, Whatever was going on with them. But them taking on the... Drug running. Drug running, testing, just seemed weird. Well, especially since all of those people in there are mentally unstable to begin with. Like, that's why they end up in the Sisters of Quiet Mercy. Why would you give them... A drug, like a recreational drug. I right. didn't really get that. Then, speaking of Sister Quiet Mercy, the conversion therapy, which was a lot. Right. And not that it's dated. I don't know. It, that whole B, and it wasn't even treated as an A plot. Like, it was a B plot. We right. had to rescue Cheryl eventually, but they never really address it again either. Well, I guess they mention it every once in a while, but I don't know. I was just like, that was, it, it just added to the cloud of drama, which we didn't need. We just didn't need it. You right, know what I mean? Right, yeah. yeah. Then everything about the farm, <laughs> especially harvesting organs, which was so ridiculous and so unnecessary. Like we didn't need to add that level in. Like it was a crazy cult. That's it. We didn't right. need to my, triple down on <laughs> harvesting the organs of these teens. My favorite random B-plot of the farm was Evelyn 
actually being Edgar's wife and right. being 26 and not his daughter, but yes. like going back to high school to recruit the like fo- yes, the emphasis the on teens in these adult schemes is so, so ridiculous. So ridiculous. But that just made me laugh because I was like, of course, Evelyn's. Right. Of course. She's like, actually that's her big almost twist. 30. Right? Also, just like they brought Chad Michael Murray back. So uh, I and when at first great. I was like, Chad, yeah. <laughs> like, is Lucas? that you? But um, by the time we got to the end of that farm plot, I was ready to see him go. Yeah, you're ready for Alice to shoot him while he was really shooting shoot off into off a space. rocket. Yeah. So then Hiram putting a hit on his daughter's 16 year old boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Didn't need that. Archie being a vigilante in not one, but two entirely separate seasons. Why? It was as yeah. if it was the second time it happened in season four, it was as if. He had not remembered that he had done it before. Right. Which I thought was a weird thing to just not address. Because as the viewers, we're already in fucking season four. We were there when right, he did the first this time the first time. Um, also, every time it always ends poorly. So, Yeah, it's I just, think it's hard to be a 17-year-old vigilante. Yeah. Speaking of Archie, Archie's gym. Archie's red circle. <laughs> that leads us to number three. <laughs> <laughs> the mass seizures of the Vixens. Although points for optics look shocking, worked great in the promos. Right. But unnecessary for sure. Didn't really advance the plot at all. And they kind of answered why that was happening, but it was sort of like... It was like fizzle rocks in the water, right? Right. It was like contaminated water. Right. But it was just sort of slipped in for the very dramatic impact that that moment had. It actually did not have any dramatic implications or reasoning behind it. Right. Then number two, Betty and Jug sharing a half-brother while their parents are also dating and everyone is living in the Cooper's house under one roof as if it's no big deal. Yeah. They don't address it. Right. I thought it was so weird when like Jughead's mom bought the Cooper house. Yes. With drug money. And then left. Right. And then they left the house to FP or like, did she sell it? back i don't know i think she left it because then betty was living there like it was and then betty was living there the whole time jughead wasn't like yeah yeah that was random i'm not mad about it because again i love fp and alice i mean i love fp and alice but they they don't really address it all oh they just start making out one episode and i'm like oh i guess yeah again and the and i mean they kind of there'll be like little remarks about the the fact that they share a half brother but like not they don't the whole family right. doesn't really talk about it. Another in parallel a real way. to Gossip Girl. Yes. Even though that like torpedoed everyone's relationship. And then number one, Veronica owning Pops and then turning the basement into a maybe dry speakeasy. Yes. Slash gambling room. Well, and the Maple, which I actually don't hate that storyline. The but Maple Club. The Maple Club. Yeah. At one point in season four, like you couldn't be on the show unless you had one to two businesses to run and right. you were a senior in high school. Right, right. Like, we don't need the teenagers, and we talk about this all the time. For some reason, teen dramas recently have loved, well, in the past, like, 10 years, have loved to do this plot where, to heighten the drama, they give the teenagers their own companies to run, which makes... Freaking elite. No fucking sense. Yeah. Right? Like, it's so far from being realistic that it's, like, the teenagers then are not in teen situations, but... There's plenty of teen drama to be had with teenagers doing teen things. Right. Well, like, I, let's get a pregnancy scare in here. Let's get um getting kicked out of the drama club. Like, I don't know. Studying for the SATs. God forbid we study for a second. Or yeah. And there was no, almost no football drama in season four. And there 
could have been. Right. You know, given, make the Vixens try to make it to the cheerleading competition. I mean, like, there just are things without Veronica having to run a fucking speakeasy and a rum business. Well, and like sending her dad to prison because he's, his name's on, but then being mad and then he gets out of prison. So like, yeah, no, it, I agree with that being the number one. No, all of the teens' businesses are B-plots and none of them need to be. Yeah, completely agree. That's my grand list of shitty B-plots in this show. (laughs) Next up, the never aired on a podcast yet is the... Just knock over the mic. Previously cut for time revisionist history that me and Maddie did about what we think... Gossip Girl should have done differently in order to sort of give their show a little bit more of an everlasting vibe. I don't know. Just what they could have done differently. What they could have done differently. So, sorry, are you ready for that now? Yep. Okay, so the show had really good ratings seasons one and two I'm not really sure about three and four, but by the time they got to five, there was a bit of a cliff. And the rating, the viewings for five were really bad, except for Blair's Wedding. And then six was also not great, but they did get picked up after five for a 10 episode shortened sixth season. So I thought it would be interesting for us to talk about what we thought they should have done differently. That would have... I don't know about extended the life of the show, but extended the life of the show or just had it be less of a clusterfuck at the end. So I think that season two finale where everyone is Gossip Girl, essentially that concept should have been what the actual finale was. And Eric was written as Gossip Girl initially, right? By the writers. Like that was the plan. That's what I read in the like 10 year since the pilot premiere. So that makes sense, the most sense to me. And Departing from that, I think, was a bad choice. I think they should have continued to have Eric be Gossip Girl. I just can't believe they weren't creative enough to figure out another way to keep him as Gossip Girl because people were starting to predict that. Um, In reviews and in interviews and stuff, the writers will say how, I mean, they would read the New York Magazine review out loud like Wednesday morning, first thing in the office. You know, like they were really paying attention to the press everyone's the reactions to the show so they knew that people were guessing that it was eric and i just can't believe they couldn't find a more creative way to figure out how to keep him as gossip girl and would it have been so bad if we knew who it was i don't think so but i don't think so either because even though it does make sense that eric was gossip girl in my rewatch of it there wasn't necessarily a moment where I was like, oh, this is where he got the intel. Like, right. it wasn't. No, I agree. And then I even think they did kind of like a fuck you to the New York Magazine when they had Jonathan be Gossip Girl in this episode. Yeah. Like, I do think they were like, whatever. Anyway, back yeah, to Yeah, yeah. So, and, and in addition, I think passing the baton, like, if Eric continued to maintain control of Gossip Girl, passing the baton would have been a really interesting way to use that as a device for perspective shifts on the drama because we got to see a little bit of that when Georgina and Serena got to be mm-hmm. Gossip Girl and we both really liked that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it would have been really interesting if starting, you know, season three, I guess, who was controlling Gossip Girl like also became part of the plot and also became part of the mystery and um, every, you know, season, half season, couple episodes, whatever, especially if Eric is still 
orchestrating the whole thing. Um, Cause I thought that was a really fun thing that they did in five. And I don't know why they couldn't have just done it the whole time because it would also, you know, create all this extra meaning and backstory behind her blasts. Mm-hmm. It would have just added a lot of depth, I think to yeah. the show um, as well as like, okay, who could it be? You know, like right, right. knowing that it's going to change and that gives it more of a, like an effervescent, plot instead of it just being so narrow as it being one person we're going to figure out who this one person is or just one person is writing like also because they did I think in doing damage control on Dan's character they did the like y'all all send in the post like all he did was publish so I do agree with you that having it it would have been okay sorry that it would have been okay to like have it shift around right. a little bit. Yeah. No. Or even if Dan had like someone else, it was like Dan and right, Serena. Like We're co- in on it together. Right, right. Or something. Yeah. yeah right, right. No, for sure. Like just broadened who was controlling it. I think would have helped make it last longer and made the story stronger. So we already mentioned how I think Blair's plot should have been with the Blair's marriage to Louis should have been longer or shorter. Um, it slowed her down a lot. I feel like she was no longer like, power badass Blair that we had known and loved um and so that's why I wanted it to be a little shorter or a little longer and actually get to see her be a princess that would have been really fun and hot take on Nate (laughs) we we keep ratting on him for having no plot I think it would have been really fantastic to see Nate as a college athlete I think that would have given him a purpose Mm -hmm. a b would have made sense C, it would have been a way to get more like hot male characters into the show. Right, right. There really aren't that many male characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and pinging off of that, I think start of season three, which is when they go to college, a fourth male character should have been added to the core friend group, right? In addition to Dan, Nate, and Chuck. There should have they should have added a fourth. The show needed to grow and it didn't. Right. So the show needed to grow. And I think that fourth guy, it would have been fabulous if it was another new money family because the Basses are new money. The Waldorfs, Archibalds, Vanderwoodsons are all old money. So having another new money character family would have been great who lived in one of their buildings. So, you know, everyone can stay close. A politician's kid would have been really interesting. Mm -hmm. And we even could have like doubled down and have that guy be on Nate's collegiate lacrosse team or whatever um to give you know a little bit more connection for them I think that would have really again strengthened the show and just given us more characters to work with um start of season four I think a third female main character should have been introduced um as Jenny's downfall kind of starts I'm not sure if the writers knew that Jessica was going to leave at the end of the season, but there's no way she was going to be around permanently. I mean, she didn't care about being one of them. And Dan was already on like the highway to becoming a UES bro. So um, I think another Lola type character who is related to one of these other already core characters and lives in Manhattan and is a little bit more of a seamless fit into their world while still maintaining their own personality. No, I love, I love Lola. I really wish she would have been brought on sooner. Of course, I love the Lola Ivy, Charlie Potline, but that's why I'm saying like a character like this, who was a little more chill, who played off of Nate really well, um, could be another it girl. 
I just thought adding her into this group made a lot of sense. I love that she was basically the same age as them. Um, and I think, again, it would have been stronger for the show, especially because after four, um, we lose Jenny and Vanessa. So we're really just down to Blair and Serena and then kind of Charlie, Lola Ivy, who like that kind of, you know, they're never really presented as permanent characters. Um, so I think that would have helped. Mm -hmm. Finally, I think in addition to passing the baton for who's controlling Gossip Girl, I think passing the baton to the next generation of teens is something that they really missed the opportunity of doing, not only just because they're growing up. So that would have been like pain points for them on identifying and passing down like their roles to the younger generation that's coming up under them. But it would also segue us into how they continue to or not to be relevant in New York society as adults. Mm -hmm. um, because they all stick around for college, which honestly is believable. I mean, like New York has a ton of fabulous schools, Columbia, NYU, Barnard, FIT. They're really not that far from Yale and Harvard. Um, I mean, it's far, but like weekend trips, no problem. And I just think that if season five would have focused more on this, how are we how are we now in the world that we're adults mm -hmm. and Blair getting married actually would have been a really great motivation for this change. Right. Because mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. she's going to be a wife, like she's getting married. So this is, you're becoming an adult. So how does your social life change? How does your relationships change now that you are doing adult New York society things, I think would have been a really smart move for them and provided with, with new drama, right? Like new experiences, new places to go because right, they're like now in a different when Dan, of New York, when Dan had like that literary thing and like yes. met those two new people, like I was like, oh, this like is interesting. That. Yes. This yes. is different. Exactly like that. And like Lyric and uh, Dan's uh, salon that they had, like those kinds of things, just like more and for everybody. Like mm -hmm. all the characters should have been doing a little bit more growing up since <laughs> obviously none of them were fucking going to college. Um, although would it have killed them to have these kids go through school? I don't know. I think, I wish Chuck would have gone to college. It just doesn't make sense that someone who is positioned to take over an empire wouldn't have a degree, but whatever. Okay. Right. So season five would have been about growing up. Season six would have been about moving on and leaving Constance behind with the finale being a one year flash forward, not five years, one year flash forward class reunion, um, nodding at they've done all this work in the past two seasons of moving on and letting go. But that, one year class reunion would be a, well, fuck you. You can't really forget where you came from as mm -hmm. much as you try, which I think could have been a nice little dark twist to the whole thing. But the, you know, Constance like hundred year anniversary or something like a reason that all of them would be there, not necessarily a class reunion. Cause the, you know, but like right. a, a Constance event that they would all, all need to be at. And I think that would be at this anniversary, which would happen about midway through the episode. Um, Eric gets up and does his big reveal. If we didn't, you know, already know that it was him, that he'd been pulling the strings the whole time. And cause that could have been our big wow moment where we get 
everyone and their, you know, all the guest stars because they they did that in the actual finale. Right, and right. that was fun to see everybody. Well, and, they even did like Lola and Olivia are starring in a movie right, that about I, them. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, Lola yeah. about Ivy. Exactly. Ivy like we like, could have kept all that, but like done that then after Eric reveals that he's Gossip Girl. We still could have had Chuck and Blair being, you know, they get married. I'm totally fine with all that. But instead of a kid, like maybe just like a second, like fluffy white dog or something, you know, we see them leave their apartment. Or like maybe. find out she's pregnant or something. You know what I mean? Or like find out she's something. pregnant. Right. Like just like a little, but not like a fucking five-year-old child. Just like not an emergency 911 Maybe wedding. in their like gorgeous townhouse, like whatever, like just, a, just like taste. We, we saw too much in the five-year thing. I just wanted a taste of, okay, they're still doing okay. Right. Like. Blair's still running things. Chuck's still running things. They're okay. We didn't need anything more. We didn't need children. We didn't need anything like that. We could see Dan and Serena even leaving their place together because remember, in this version, Dan's not Gossip Girl. Mm -hmm. um, and we saw him at his apartment that he creepily bought in the Van Der apartment. And, you know, at the end, we could have Eric's moment where he's like, I'm passing the reins on to the next generation, but look around this room. Everyone here is Gossip Girl. <laughs> so in addition wow, to I didn't do that much detail on my I love rewriting you, like, shows that failed essentially do fan fiction you just I, don't call it's it basically that. fan fiction mine's just like <laughs> dots um no but the <laughs> last thing I have to say is I can't believe this the network didn't force them to think about the future because because they didn't do this and like tied it up in such a tight fucking bow there was no room to do a spinoff or a next generation or whatever, which they're going to try and do anyway, but it just would have been a much more natural segue if they set it up a little bit. I think they all wanted to be so done with the show that they all were like, do not ever, you know what I mean? Like I, that's yeah. Um, but okay. That's possible. I wasn't in the room. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> in the room where it happened. Oh yeah. Um, okay. So mine are like just bullet points. I would have, and I said this already, switched the Dan and uh, Louis storyline yep. so that Dan didn't fall so madly in love with her before. So late. Yep. So mine is just working within the existing story. Okay. Give Nate a story. Yep. Truly anything. I don't care what it is. I think college athlete sounds great. Yep. Um, whatever. I think it could have been cool in season three, instead of following Ginny at Constance, switching and following Eric at the boys' school. Ooh, that would have been fun. You know what I mean? Like yeah. seeing that dynamic, because I do still think it exists and like they could have still reacted to the Gossip Girl blast. Yeah. But I think everybody was so tired of Jenny mm -hmm. that focusing more on Eric and Jonathan and like the boys, it would have just been like a fresh crop of people um, because it felt weird to me that we were like half in college and half in high school and like nobody really cared about Jenny, yeah. Jenny and Eric. But I do think people liked Eric more. Yeah. So I thought that might be interesting. Um, so I think that... Maybe, like, literally adding any other character. Yeah, felt. right. They just didn't have enough. They didn't grow enough. I do think they should have just completely skipped over college since they pretended that they weren't there anyway. Yes, and I And money agree. isn't a factor. And, like, Blair they wanted so to run her clothing line. Yes. Serena wanted to work at the, like, I think Serena right. working in L.A. or, like, yeah, New York or doing in something. TV, film, whatever. All of their career choices made sense, just not at the time. So yeah. I think they should have just skipped, skipped. college. I agree. I think they could have condensed 
the season four Reina and Juliet storyline so that those were existing mm-hmm. at the same time. Yeah. So then we could have had Charlie earlier and then Lola mm. by default earlier. Yes. It would have pushed everything and up. And kept Lola around. Yeah. And then they could have kept Lola because I, I did think Lola and Nate had so much potential. Yes. And if Nate wasn't going to end up with Serena, it did actually make sense to me yeah. that he could have ended up with a version of Amanda Woodson. I agree. Yeah. So that was that. And then I actually would just like an entirely different season six storyline for Serena. I hated her boyfriend. I hated Sage I hated Sage dating Nate I thought it was gross that when the cop came to Nate's house in the finale and like asked her a question he was like she's a minor I'm like you're fucking her like you can't yell to the cop that she's a minor like so icky whatever those are just my like quick Mm -hmm. notes that I was like if I were to if I were in the room where it happened I would want (laughs) suggest those things I would suggest those things I think a lot of it was just the the storyboarding like I know you said season five for Blair felt really slow, but everything else, um, season four and five had like so much story that took up so much space that like you said, there kind of wasn't enough room to breathe. Yeah. And then with six being short, they like turned Dan so fast. Yes. Like they were like, he's a nice guy. He's in love with Blair. He's dating Blair. He slept with Serena. It went on Gossip Girl. He did a story. He it, like he, it, he went from being the victim to being the villain, the villain. and yes. like his One, downfall in two episodes. His downfall was so fast and so hard that it like, if I were him, I would have just been pissed that they like annihilated my character. No, for sure. Last but not least, we have our single best scenes from the show. That even though it is fully canceled, me and Maddie still can't get over it, and still think everyone should be out there watching it. But here are our single best scenes from the ABC comedy Single Parents. The thing that everybody listens to this mm-hmm. for, your single best scene. All right. So, of course, I always like to cheat this category. Yeah. You, Sorry. I always do you it. You set the templates and then you cheat. I know. I, you know, you got to make the rules so you can break them. Um, well, the what I actually think is the single best scene i realized when i rewatched it was not important enough it felt like okay because it requires very few it has very few characters and is so short i thought there was more to it but my i'm sitting on the edge of my seat i know what what are you describing is season two episode three called derek sucks okay okay and um basically the premise of this is Derek responds okay Angie sends Derek this her angry email over the summer she spends all summer writing it sends it off and he doesn't respond well he eventually responds in season or in episode three by showing up at her door right and this really throws Angie for a loop she freaks out she runs over to Will's of course and Miggy and Will are there building a castle and so she's like you guys have to come over to the house with me like you need to be my buffer because I like still want to like have sex with him it's Adam Brody it's Adam Brody right right so um so they're all in Angie's living room the Will and Miggy are sitting on the couch and Angie and um Derek are standing and Derek is like apologizing Mm -hmm. and I'll just have Jake play the audio clip (laughs) um it's another one where I just like got laughed out loud like I was like oh my god I'm sorry I barged in I just felt like I needed to make a grand gesture so I wrote you a song you can go now what 
Absolutely not. Angie, you are too emotional to think. You can't talk to her like that. She asked me to say this. No, I didn't. What? Don't believe her. I think we need to believe women. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. It's 2019. This is why women need male allies, right? Yeah. I am an ally. I am the father of a daughter. Wow. Oh, this is sad, man. Like, I'm so embarrassed for you. She's asking you to leave. Okay. Miggy, come with me. I'm leaving with him, but I don't support his beliefs. <laughs> there is no way that that man wrote Hey, Soul Sister. Anyway, that's the whole scene. Love the train reference at the end. I know, right? Um, yeah, that's the whole scene. Um, which, when I rewatched it, I was like, okay, that was way shorter than I thought. Of course, at the very end of the episode, um, as Derek is being, like, back on the bus, he, like, says something over his shoulder at Will about, like, you know, good luck minimizing women. <laughs> And then Will is like, as the credits start rolling, he's like screaming after the bus about how he started a feminism group in high school called like, why, 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 like something, something is like a chromosome joke. <laughs> and like, because of course, like Will is not like, yeah, he's, you know, he, he has an ally. And so it's just so funny for like that scene to just like turn and be like, we need to believe women. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're just like, oh my it's God. It's like when you want to win an argument, but you don't have any like apps. Yes. So you just like play your trump yeah. card. Like, here we go. Right, right. No, it was just, and it just so caught me off guard. I thought it was brilliant. But I guess my actual single best scene is that I think like, because if you're going to watch the show, I don't necessarily need to think you need to like, watch the show for that moment, obviously. Right. But I do think you need to watch it for catch up the episode it's like the season one finale when angie and will go and confront derek right, at fatso's and i mean obviously their whole plot that i mean i didn't really care for the beginning when angie was like gonna go back and get graham from camp but when they get to fatso's first of all i just love the fatso's joke of it being like every cuisine right um parks and rec did this joke as well every time they joked about the townspeople basically and like they're like the soda being so big like three gallons or whatever like right. that kind of that kind of like making fun of americana like i always think is funny so i really enjoyed that um the fact that he had to order the whole menu because angie couldn't <laughs> commit to being like pulled through the line um also thought was amazing um but like the scene where will has a meltdown at Derek and does the fry metaphor, which like I didn't totally care for, but like <laughs> it was like seeing Will so like blatantly defending not only Angie, but Graham, right? right? Like he is there to like, not avenge the two of them, but like as they're someone who loves them, so angry at this guy who didn't care to be a part of their life. And it just really was um, Will being <sighs> like more outwardly protective of the two of them, which of course we do the Will They Want They All season. So we're it's sort of like an indirect way of seeing him stand up for their relationship. Um, and it also is just like very funny as he chased them around the car. Like 
as well as like Derek actually seeing Angie and being like, oh my God, like it's you. Um, And her hiding in the back of the car, like the whole thing. It was, and of course, like getting to actually see um, and Adam Brody, (laughs) like do their little scene. Um, So that was also like such a great treat. But um, yeah, that was just such, such a good scene. And um, yeah, I think that's, that is, I think the single best scene of the show. Yeah, I um, I don't disagree with you. I was telling you um, about when they did interviews. They did, you know, some Entertainment Tonight or whatever went on set when Adam and Leet were fem- filming together and they were like, you're giving fans like the... Uh, the crossover they always wished for like aren't you how excited are you that like Seth from the OC is going to interact with Blair from Gossip Girl and you can just tell they both hate talking (laughs) about Gossip Girl and the OC because Andrew or Layton was like I think people are just really excited to tune in and meet Angie's ex-husband I know that's what I'm excited for and I was just like oh y'all just hate talking about your past shows but anyway my single best scene okay Jake do we have a drum roll yet Mine's more important. It gets a drum roll. (laughs) Mine is one that I found on the YouTube. So the quality won't be recorded. Mm -hmm. But to (laughs) prep it for a little, for a second, it is the season two, episode 17. Okay. Uns is what it's called. Okay. And it's when Will, it's just a kind of, to me, picture perfect Will and Graham's friendship and how they're both too emotional. Like not too emotional, but they're both the mush. Oh, uh, okay. And this is not one that I rewatched. This is my favorite scene. Mm, that's really good. That man's still staring at us. Should we call a grown up? I got this. So it's Will staring at Graham on a date because they're Freaking out, Taylor. Oh, is that her name? Yeah, I wasn't introduced. Cut it out. I will not cut it out. This was supposed to be our night. Yeah? Well, I just see about a girl. Wouldn't get it. <laughs> I wouldn't get it? As a good will myself, I completely get it. I'm just surprised you would stoop this low just to break your dry spell. My dry spell? Yeah, I said it. Last year at this time, you were on fire. Bunny ears, Louisa, my daughter. And from all the texts Lance sent me, sounds like you cleaned up at space camp. But so far in second grade, goose egg. Don't take it out on me because my mom has someone and you don't. Meanwhile, your boy's having an older woman feed him mozzarella. Ugh, Graham, <laughs> we get it. You're Italian, like one-eighth of most of us. You should request the restaurant they made you out of go. That's Italian for leave this restaurant, weatherman. Nothing would make me happier, but I can't, because you're nine, and that's not cool. Just go. Fine. You do you. I will go. I'm going to go. I'm going to go. I'll just... Go. Watch me how I go. Anyway, so that is my personal Mm. favorite moment from the whole show because I just love their dynamic together. I think they're so funny. Mm -hmm. I think they fight like adults and Will has to constantly remind himself that he's nine. Like that he's like, and you're only nine. Like, but I think Will also fights low. Yeah. You know, I feel like they meet in the middle. They meet in the middle. So that was just, I mean, it's so silly. And I think it's hard to pick a best scene from something that's intended to just be something that's feel good. But um, I think I remember texting you after this episode and being like, I love Graham so much. Mm -hmm. But he gets mad and speaks in Italian. And then just like, they're fighting because like they miss each other and also both Mm -hmm. want love, which is so just 
funny to Peak me. them, right? Yeah, yeah. Peak, Will, and Graham. And I we get it. You're Italian. <laughs> All right. So now that we've fully <laughs> listened to ourselves talk again, what do we think is sort of the best and worst of this year, Mads? What are your What are your highs and lows? 2020 TV. You want me just to go straight through them? I mean, if you want to elaborate, you're more than welcome to. Okay. So obviously it was very hard as um, there was a ton of TV this year, but what I realized in prepping for this list is a lot of it did not happen this year. So um, my best drama for 2020, I decided was normal people um, Mm -hmm. because I still think about it pretty regularly and (laughs) uh, really stuck with me. And also I probably would have been euphoria, but that didn't I didn't watch the 2020 special yet. So um, normal people. My best comedy for 30 minutes was season four of The Good Place. I thought it ended like super strong. They had an amazing guest star at the last, one of the last few episodes. And then for an hour long, The Great. Hulu really like sealed the deal for me this year on um, <laughs> on scripted shows. The best documentary of 2020 for me was The Last Dance. I don't care that much about basketball. I watched it in two days. Um, wow. I think everybody should watch it I have started watching it I think I'm on episode like three mm-hmm. I think the timeline is really confusing they jump around a lot and I know they, they think they're making it really clear and I'm like none of this means anything to me so what helped me whenever I did it one I watch everything with subtitles and then two um they said that he hired the film camera crew to follow them around in the 98 season I think or whatever mm-hmm. season and so mm-hmm. anytime there was like actual footage I just assumed it was 1998 like that wasn't an interview or something where they had like specifically mm-hmm. gone back. But yeah, I just thought it was really good. I also, you know, there's a lot of really good like HBO murder documentaries that were like close on my list. Like I'll be gone in the dark, the vow murder on middle mm-hmm. beach. But um, the last dance felt like a scripted show, mm-hmm. like in a way that I don't know, it, it was really good. Um, my best moment. So just like my best, like shocking moment of this year, I guess, I don't know, was the Grey's Anatomy COVID dreams of McDreamy <laughs> and George coming back. Like mm-hmm. when McDreamy came back, it was like all over social. And um, I, so I knew it was coming, but George, I like watched it live. And so I like, that one really caught me off guard and they kind of got to do like a really sweet farewell for him because when he died on the show, Izzy still had cancer. So they never actually got to do that. Mm-hmm. so it was nice and then my single best scene of 2020 okay. is from <laughs> zoe's extraordinary playlist they did a one shot of them singing american pie as the finale after her dad had passed away and it was beautiful and it was sad and it was all done in one take and it was just like tv excellence in 2020 in my and you know mm-hmm. i loved that show and this might be the first time i talked about it on the podcast yeah, we have not covered it. No, it was one of my one of my faves, but um Was it the series finale? No, it's just the season finale. I don't know okay. exactly how. Season 1 kind of ended a little bit on a cliffhanger um where she might not be the only person who can hear music. So, I think season 2 is going to be really interesting and less sad cuz season 1 was all about like her dad dying and losing his he like lost the ability to talk and she can communicate with him through song. Like Mm-hmm. through what he thinks in his head or whatever so that's why that that was such a good moment but season two I think will be really good okay what about you what are your um your stats for 2020 take us through them yeah so for best drama I also I'm agreeing normal people was just like such a standout mm-hmm. um 
for so many reasons, but um, which <laughs> you can listen to our two hour long <laughs> episode if you're interested in hearing all of our thoughts about that show. Um, but I also had to put Elite Season 3. I think se- th- Season 3s can be so hard because you can like exist off the fumes of season one onto season two like people will watch it kind of no matter what but I feel like there's got to be a lot of people that drop off and don't bother with season three and I thought they did a great job and I thought it was really good I loved season three of Elite yeah and then my best comedy I also put the great um I just picked one and that was it um and then my best documentary slash reality category I had the Great British Baking Show because they did actually film it like this year and mm-hmm. like they did a bubble out in the countryside and it was just so nice that they jumped through all those hoops to give us another season of that show that is like so cathartic for so many people like it's just such a calm watch so it was so nice to have like new material from that show which they easily could have just been like sorry like too much effort like mm-hmm. see y'all next year but um they didn't and then also I maybe I'm the only one who thinks this but I thought this season of The Bachelorette was fantastic I completely agree I actually would love it if all bachelorettes were forced to be in bubbles like the no travel yeah. and stuff I'm like I actually got to know these guys and would marry any of them right like it seemed so much chiller like the dates were more like real dates like they actually it just seemed like yeah sure there was like some structure but it really seemed like they were like hanging out especially like the one-on-one dates like it just seemed so much more down to earth like the whole it wasn't nobody's like flying in a helicopter nobody's jumping off a building or anything stupid like that it was like hanging out by the pool or like I like that the like guys became friends in a way that they don't when they travel. Like, I'm sure yeah. they like become friends in other ways or whatever. But I just feel like this group of guys, like aside from I guess Noah and Ben, Ben, but even them, I feel like by the mental all, at the end of it, they were like joking. But yeah. I completely agree. I think this season we were able to like get to know them mm-hmm. in a way that wasn't like them like not talking through a helicopter. Like I actually believe that they're gonna last. Right. And I really well, like and- him, so I'm was happy. Sure. Well, and a lot of times it does feel like half the contestants are just there to like tr- get a free vacation in. Mm-hmm. And this was the opposite of that. <laughs> right. Well, and I actually have been meaning to ask you, or maybe I already did, but like someone on Instagram was like, do you think the reason that these guys were like, this has been such a big time commitment is because they had to quarantine the duration of the show. So like the entire time that like Tasha was on the resort, they had to stay. So when they got, so that's how like Ben could come back and Bennett could come back and they could film mm-hmm. them and tell all. Like, do you, like, I'm curious as to when they got to leave the bubble, even after they got right. sent home. Like, we don't know well, how I, the logistics of that went. Well, I'm sure leaving the bubble is voluntary. Right. Like, you can't force them to stay. So. But like, I wonder if their contract was like, you have to stay for a minimum of seven weeks or 12 weeks or whatever. Uh, right. Yeah. I don't and then know. And then with Tasha well, like restarting it, like, I've just been curious to know. Right. How they did that. I mean. Yeah, I don't know. Based on this year's history, I'm sure Ben will write us a tell-all next year (laughs) and we'll be able to hear what happened, even though I'm sure their NDAs are really tight. (laughs) But yeah, I'm sure we'll hear something about it. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, the COVID of it all does like add so much Um, you really had to be committed this year. Right. Well, and they talked about like addiction black lives matter uh oh my God, yes eating disorders they aired for it men, all. suicide they might, yeah 
they might say it, but they never air that stuff. So yeah, that was a choice. I don't think that they ever let like real world events into the bachelor bubble because like if you think about Becca Kufrin got engaged to Garrett and they had like extremely different political views that eventually broke mm-hmm. them up. Like I feel like yeah. if she would have been the bachelorette this season, there's no way you wouldn't be able to talk about the election. Right. So, no, stuff stuff I, like that. I agree. Yeah, I agree that they're letting them get more into it. But also I feel like it's a little bit um like community community spread, if you will. Yeah, of that's like true. you know, I mean, prime example is that art episode mm-hmm. where the boys, the group date, and they all had to paint a self-portrait. And if the first, I mean, okay, granted, one of them like sculptured a penis. So like, okay, he doesn't count. But like if the self-portraits particularly like if the first two guys would have just been like, hm, here's a stick figure of me, like derp derp, then like the other guys probably would have been embarrassed to like, you know, gush about whatever. But because it was the complete opposite, I almost <laughs> felt like the rest of the guys had to feel like they had to dig up some like Who trauma. <laughs> I was like Riley being like, I've never had a family. Like, yeah, <laughs> but, something yeah. like that. It, it reminded me so much of, I don't know if you guys did this in your like pledge retreat um freshman year but we definitely had like a everyone sitting in a circle like telling our trauma to the group I have literally no idea why we did it but it 100% felt like you really had to like bring your a-game for trauma like Mm -hmm. to this Uh, like (laughs) sister share circle there was a lot of anorexia let me tell you yeah I was a young um, life leader so we did like testimony all the time there we go. There we go. Yes. It did feel very testimony. And I was always like, um, I don't really have anything. <laughs> right. Yes. And absolutely, I do not want to discount the people who have the trauma, but it does feel like you have, you just feel obligated because their stories are so personal. You also feel like you want to share something very personal. Um, so I think that's kind of how it, like all becomes a domino effect. <laughs> yeah. I have like extreme of deep dark secrets. <laughs> Yeah, when Ben was like, I've never but, told even my sister this. I was like, I'm glad it's on national TV now. He, he was like, I right. guess she knows now. Like he yeah, in the moment was now. like, he knew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is going to be on TV. Right. Yeah. So they, you know, they don't completely forget, um, which is good to know. But um, okay. So then my best moments, um, mine are kind of all over the place. I have a lot. All right. So there That's are cool. three from Shit's Creek. Shout out to Shit's Creek for this being their year. Mm-hmm. Um, number one, Twyla being rich. That was wild. Love that. <laughs> what a twist. It was great. Um, Moira's finale outfit. Like, that is a top 10 TV moment for me for 2020. I mean, what an icon. She literally dressed as the Pope. <laughs> like, that was her finale costume. Was coming to her son's wedding dressed as the Pope. Like, Alexis um, says the bride. Alexis as the bride, like their whole family. Um, and so then Ergo, um, Schitt's Creek sweeping the Emmys. I thought was not an inside TV moment, but like an industry like wow for them. Hundred percent, yeah. Then this happened this year. I confirmed Peter and Victoria F on The Bachelor. That that was in 2020. Mm Mm-hmm. Peter it was, was the bachelor in 2020. Peter was the bachelor in 2020, yes. What the fuck? Isn't that wild? <laughs> I mean, I believe you because 2020 has been a million years. It was the longest year ever, but yes, this happened this year. So, and it's the episode 
where Peter and Victoria F, <laughs> notorious villain, Victoria F, um, go on the date and they get <laughs> Chase Rice or whatever his name is, that country singer, to perform at their date concert while singing a song about The Bachelor and saying, well, when it doesn't work out, you can come back to me because he actually dated Victoria F. So Peter, the star of the show, is on a date with his new girlfriend and her ex-boyfriend and does not even realize it. It and is <laughs> like neck, the producers, like the devil worked hard, but The Bachelor producers work so much harder. Like I still think about that all the time. I'm like, what a situation for them to set up. I was going to say, you brought that up like a week or two ago, I guess I two weeks ago now. I rent free. <laughs> um, and also the fact that I think Peter was like, you could perform at our wedding. And Chase was like. So ignorant. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe, man. Did. Sure. She also, like, her just like villain gaslighting to Peter, not to the other women. Was, was wild. Yeah. We just never see that. Usually they're mean no. to the other women and lied to the bachelor. She yelled and lied to the bachelor. Uh-oh. Sorry. Am I still on? Yeah. Okay. My I moved my computer and my little like screen's all freaked out. Okay. Um, yes, she was like gaslight queen of the season. <laughs> Insane. So um I also have Tiger King on here. I watched a couple episodes and just like couldn't do it. Maybe it's because I'm too close to Oklahoma. I don't know. But um, but it was just like such a TV pop culture moment, right? Like it really like did every single American see it? <laughs> I think so. It was like they were making bread you know? and watching Tiger King. Totally. Like it was such a COVID. COVID crazy um, Moment, yes. Then um, Elite um, lose testimony at the end please see I have feelings bitch which was so iconic like they could end the show on that and it would be fine like I mean that's the end of Lou I mean it's the end of Lou but she really went out on a high note really crushed it also just like Lou accidentally killing Polo like what a moment and Polo being like it's okay (laughs) right I know you didn't mean like I deserve this I know that we just (laughs) basically spoiled it but for any of our listeners who don't care about spoilers and have not watched Elite go watch it like I don't really know what we have to do to get people to watch Elite I don't know either but you're missing out it's the best binge and it is not even that long and it's so good eight episode seasons um so then um Brooklyn Nine-Nine which I another list of BuzzFeed or something reminded me of this I was I would have forgotten um that in Brooklyn Nine-Nine Madeline Munch died this year okay. yes and he kept thinking it was fake and he thought it was fake <laughs> so <laughs> it was funny but also sort of like an, a little end of like a you know a, a runner for them um yeah then okay in sex education which is not a show you watch but um there was a moment where one of the characters got um like sexually assaulted I guess on a bus I can't remember exactly what happened but there was it was like it was a bus on her way to school but like a public bus right like Mm -hmm. a city bus or whatever and um I can't remember exactly what happened but whatever she it like 
you know, of course, like traumatized her. And so she was afraid to take the bus because she was afraid he was, she kept like seeing him on the bus and like wouldn't take the bus. So it was either like late to school or like having to walk. I don't know. The countryside of England makes no sense to me, but, or why none of the kids can drive cars. But anyway, so once one of her friends found out about like, you know, like, why are you sweating? <laughs> Basically like you got to yeah. school sweaty. Like, and she finally, after a while, tells one of them about like what happened on the bus. Um, the next day, like, of course, they're in high school, right? And, like, the next day, like, 10 of, oh, wait, no, there was some kind of, like, um, uh, what's the show, that, like, iconic teen show where they're in? Um, Degrassi. Skip. It's Skip. From the 80s, and they're in. Breakfast uh, Club? Yes, it was like a breakfast club kind of moment, but with just the girls and they are all from different social groups. And I think it was during that where like they were trapped in there for so long and their assignment was to like write some kind of like essay about what you guys have in common, whatever. And of course it's, the point was to make them like stop bullying each other, like whatever the reason that they got into detention for the first place and like to begin with was, and it was not working. But anyway, I think in the process of that, it comes out that about the assault on the bus. And so um, that also had to do with the the paper that they end up writing was some kind of like, we've all been victims of assault type of thing or like boys suck. There was like some kind of like yeah, yeah. adjacent, like, you know, girl power message. But the next day, all the girls were waiting at her bus stop. Oh my gosh, that's so sweet. I know I'm like joking or not it was yeah. so sweet I'm like rode the bus with her it was just really great um Aww. so then we've got Riverdale okay so <laughs> what a help what a turn <laughs> won't be heartfelt <laughs> no okay on Riverdale just this the back especially the back half of the season just like committing like how hard they committed to Jughead being dead like Betty attended his funeral. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they didn't tell the parents, or maybe the dad knew, but like the re- nobody else did. Like the whole thing, they just like committed so hard, which of course it was all for nothing. We all knew he didn't die because of social media. So, <laughs> like their stupid, like interviews. Because that's interviews. Me, and I think it was in 2019 where they were like, we saw at the mm-hmm. end of season. Yeah three that y'all were all standing in your underwear and Lily was like yeah Cole was cold so he wouldn't do it which is like frustrating to me because I'm like that to me was like the best storyline Riverdale's had yeah the like you know what happened to Jughead but Mm -hmm. um yeah all because Cole's a brat yeah their PR team simply did not work hard enough at retracting that interview no and they should have in the more so like obviously on like social and like I'll send it to you and post it on our stories like how I think it's so funny how the Gossip Girl actors still have to talk about Gossip Girl and they like constantly talk shit about it and like <laughs> even like the one that I posted this week of Pim being like Dan was acting when he was alone like what the mm-hmm. hell that's how I feel like Riverdale actors are gonna be like forever like they're yeah. gonna like all like they're never gonna let it down and they're doing it in the moment where Gossip Girl was at least aware to not do it as much in the moment but like I right. know that like they hate the show they hate it <laughs> and they they don't do anything to prove to me that they don't 
it's so interesting to me i'm like a lot people would kill to be on a show that makes as much money as riverdale does and you're all like right this writing sucks (laughs) this is fucking stupid (laughs) um okay so then i'm almost done i have bridgerton which you also haven't watched yet but the wedding night wedding night episode whatever is just like a lot and like deserves a place on like best moments of 2020 list that um, will be something that we will cover in 2021 don't y'all worry yes we'll cover it next year it's on, it's on the sketch for us i mean it I literally came it. out like three seconds ago yeah yesterday. And, <laughs> <laughs> i have to rewatch it even because it doesn't make any sense to me the plot structure is a scrambled egg in my opinion <laughs> um but yeah we're gonna cover next year so everyone take your time watch it um and so then I've got Queen's Gambit uh-huh the opposite of a confusing plot <laughs> she's very straightforward she plays very the direct she's the Queen's Gambit she plays that that move chess <laughs> just hashtag chess um uh Beth at Mr. Scheibel's funeral and then in the basement afterwards discovering mm-hmm. him following her all those years was you know such um a specific situation that was super sad but not for all the other reasons her story was sad you know we don't normally get that kind of like death of a mentor or strange mentor retrospective thing yeah I was gonna say it was they, pretty like, unique. lost touch which rarely do we right. see that right yeah exactly and it wasn't like her actual grandfather or actual like relative or and it wasn't know, even a husband or whatever to me because whenever I first watched the first episode I watched it with my mom and I was like this guy's creepy like why aren't we into dressing how mm-hmm. fucking creepy this is and he's playing with this yep, girl in a dark basement and a, whatever and my mom was like oh we love Mr. Scheibel and so I was like okay and I I understand that you love him once you watch all of the seasons but if you once you watch the entire season but like he's not even a super main character nope like he just sent her money again and that was it I did like that he kept the note that she was like I need five dollars I'll pay you back mm-hmm. oh, that's yeah. really sad yeah um okay I think that is oh um okay so we me and Maddie did read about how to get away with murder although <laughs> both of us what the fuck? <laughs> abandoned that I went in a rabbit hole yesterday but yeah, it showed up on list, and I feel like we just have to include it on this best moments of 2020, even though we haven't even watched it because it just sounds wild. So why don't you give a little recap since you did the investigative journalism here? Okay, let me pull up my text from you because I don't want to. It's so insane that I don't want to say it wrong. So, um, because okay, so as I we've mentioned on the podcast for sure, Sophie's not first true love in television, but I think first psychotic love in television was Frank from How to Get Away with Murder. Like this was, mm. I think, the first one. Frank that, was like, the model. Mm-hmm. That changed your type in men. <laughs> As an adult. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like my adult pivot. <laughs> okay. So instead gonna... of being into like Troy Bolton, it was, we've now pivoted to Frank. <laughs> Professors and Fears. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So um, the first Although, thing that I saw. have you seen that tweet? Sorry to interrupt, but have you seen yeah. that tweet that's like, Shout out to Zach Efron for aging with my taste. Honestly, <laughs> not wrong. <laughs> like when I was 12 and, you know, he was 16, like I was into that. And now that he's, you know, we're adults, I'm like still into the, like whatever he's got yeah, going yeah. on now. <laughs> <laughs> Insane. 
Okay, so the reason <laughs> that all of this started was because I was looking at 2020 lists and one of them was like worst old age makeup for a character and it was from How to Get Away with Murder. And then there was just a BuzzFeed list that was like 60 crazy things that happened. Sophie and I both quit watching it around the time that Wes died. That's when I stopped watching mm-hmm. it. But um, I had seen yeah. a picture on Just Jared of him in the finale. And so I just kind of assumed he didn't actually die. Like I think I finished and- that season. I think I stopped watching it right before um, Laurel's family was going to start to get involved in shit. Yeah, because he had hired the hit on Wes. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. Exactly. So um, he... Wes wasn't so we thought that Wes wasn't really dead the show's sixth and final season fanted fans got a version of their wish granted Wes did return well no Enoch I don't know how to say his last name the the actor did return to play the fast forward version of Christopher the adult son of Wes and Laurel and then he was teaching how to get away with murder and he said as my professor or my protege or mentor as my mentor Annalise said what wild Okay, then another just clip from this BuzzFeed article that says, during the final season, Annalise dealt with a trial where she was being charged with literally every murder from the show's six seasons, from Rebecca Sutter all the way up to Sam Keating, which it's funny to me that they have Rebecca and Sam because those both happened before episode 10. Um, Mm -hmm. In the end, Annalise really did get away with murder and won her case with the jury, finding her not guilty on all charges. As for the flash forward to Annalise's funeral that we saw throughout the season, it turns out it happened way down the line. Annalise went on to live long and surrounded by friends and family. Good for her. Whatever. Um, where's the Frank one? Okay. During the finale, Frank was dealing with the latest bombshell that he was actually Sam and Hannah Keaton's son. Yes, there was an mm-hmm. incest plotline in these final episodes. Although Frank secured a crucial piece of evidence that helped Annalise, he, all, he still had to make, make things right. Ultimately, Frank arrived at the courthouse and shot and killed Governor Brickhead, aka the woman who has made Annalise's life a living hell. Amid the chaos, Frank was also shot and tragically died in Bonnie's arms. Insane. And then I thought that Bonnie was a child of incest, but I think she just slept with Sam. Because it says in the in the episode, Bonnie was the one who told Frank the truth about his parents, which led Frank walking into the courthouse in the finale. Bonnie tried to stop Frank from killing Brickhead, but after, but she didn't make it in time. After watching Frank die, we shockingly learned that Bonnie was also shot and she heartbreakingly died in Annalise's arms. And then this author said, TBH, I'm still crying over Annalise pleading with Bonnie to wake up. Reading the article, I was like, I'm so glad that I didn't stick with the show. <laughs> like, I mean, it just sounds totally Sam, insane. There was also another guy that like, I didn't read about because I, he wasn't in the show at all when I watched it, but he was also Sam's Keating son. Oh my god. And like he died in episode 10. How many children did he father? A, a lot, apparently. Um, yeah, I mean that's fast forwarding like what, like at least 20, if not like 25 years. Never yeah. a good choice. Like Laurel just um, like, left and like went and did her own thing, which like makes sense for Laurel. Um, mm-hmm. Asher died. I don't know how. Um <laughs> uh Oliver and what is his Conrad? Is his boyfriend's name? Connor. Oliver and Connor ended up together, even though Connor went to jail and was like, leave me, divorce me. And Oliver was like, no. And then Michaela did. And it, then it looks like Michaela became a judge, but like had no friends because she made a plea mm. deal and went to jail for less time than Connor. Oh, so like, yeah, reading it, that. reading the article, I was like, all of these things make sense. I can't believe one, the show was still on in 2020. No, I, I had no idea <laughs> that it was still on air. It ended like, in like May on. of this year. <laughs> 
that is insane. Like, hold on, I'm gonna look and see when the final episode is. Cause yeah, I um that show had so much potential and just flew fuck off the rails. But like a double murder in a series finale, I mean, that is pretty bold. It was on for six years and like a really long six years. Yeah, May 14th, 2020 was the finale. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it says it was on from 2014 to 2020, but there was 90 episodes and it feels like there was more and less than that. <laughs> like it started, um, I, that's an insane, an insane yeah. run that just deserved it, a shout true. out, even though we will never cover it on the show. No, we're not going to do that to ourselves. <laughs> um, but, uh, okay, so I have three that are the worst. Number one okay. was um, SNL at home. That just did not work. I liked the commentary from SNL at home where it was like, we can see how many people now don't actually live in New York. <laughs> <laughs> the one skit I liked. The Zoom was those, funny. I liked the one where they did um, Beck welcome. He did like the architectural digest of his home, but his house was like a piece of shit <laughs> yeah. where it was like, yeah. this is the puzzle we started three months ago. Haven't finished <laughs> it. Come on this way, AD. <laughs> like I liked that. That was the only sketch that I liked from at home. And then like Chloe Feynman's impersonations, but it, yeah. didn't, it didn't need they were just trying to make us feel better they were just trying to make us apparent. feel better and like they're not well and they needed to get paid those actors um uh-huh. which i respect but it's like you can't compete like making those like stage comedians basically compete with the youtube comedians and the tiktok comedians it's just like it's just not their medium like yeah it's like un- yeah it's a very uneven playing field right and it was just like wow you like you guys are the professionals like you guys are some of the funniest people in america but like i've seen funnier stuff on tiktok (laughs) yeah like it's like that here we are but i mean they did their best but i'm very glad they got to go back in person in the fall well and i think one thing that we had underestimated i think because snl had a few rough spots is Mm -hmm. how important their chemistry together was and like the 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 breaking and like yes having Colin like it's also like okay Colin you're married to Scarlett Johansson but we're gonna pretend that you like I don't know like when they're in the studio you can like really pretend that they Mm -hmm. do this job because they love it and when they're at the homes it's like a little bit more apparent to me that like some of them are just like waiting this feels like a pit stop on their way to their big break and when Mm -hmm, they're in the studio it feels like they've reached their dream yeah I know I totally agree that's a really good point um I can't say it enough run is the worst tv show of all time <laughs> that was on another list I sent you yesterday that was like best character in a worst or best actress in, in the worst show <laughs> in the worst show yeah um and then lastly again just to bring it right back to Peter's season of the bachelor Peter and Barb was so much I can't believe I know Peter's mom's name I could not tell you the name of any other contestant's mom not a single one and then I can't either <laughs> The absolute icing on the cake was Peter and Kelly on TikTok, which I'm going to count that as TV. Um, the fact that burned my got, eyes. The fact that he dated everyone after the show too is why. Like Victoria went on to date mm-hmm. Chris Souls, who got arrested for like the Hillary manslaughter. Then he broke up with Hannah Ann. Then dated Madison. Then broke up with Madison. Then is still dating Kelly. I, I mean, I guess. I don't and know also. Why. Peter was just such a disappointment disappointment because I loved him on Hannah's season. And then him yes. and the Bachelor, it, it was it made Colton look interesting. Truly. 
And Peter was so bad at managing his women. Like, could not handle the drama in the house. No. Did a horrible job of being clear and communicative and like squishing the drama. Colton, you're right, did a better job, which is incredible. <laughs> yeah. And I will say, um, it's also funny to me that the most dramatic moment from Peter's season, aside from like the Chase Rice producing, was Colton or was Peter just walking into the side of a golf cart and like getting all of the stitches? Like it had oh, literally yeah. nothing to Classic. do with it. It wasn't even no. like a date injury. Like, no, it was, a it was like a tall, clumsy person thing. It was a transportation in it. it. And I will say though, having Peter be so bad, Tasha was the best bachelorette we've had. Like, oh my God. Maybe ever. And like, amazing. it was just like a very nice breath, like breath of fresh air that like she knew how to like manage time. And like Peter and, and Madison's entire disagreement was about religion. And that's like Tasha and Ivan didn't work because of religion, but like, look at how they handled it. Like right. respectfully and whatever like Ivan doesn't want to be religious and Tasha wants to marry someone who is we're not going to work mm. Peter then has his mom yell at Hannah at Madison on stage for 45 minutes because he can't just say like I like you but our morals are different right very immature Tasha was we yeah, got way more mature and did such a better job um yeah I really enjoyed her as the bachelorette and she's going to be a, a real tough act to follow for sure I'm excited for Matt James season though which will be coming out yeah. in like a week. Right around the corner. <laughs> January 4th. It is so close. Um, but yeah, very much looking forward to that season. Um, but yeah, that is my grand list. I did not make one like single, single best scene. That was just all of our little mo- my moments that seemed yeah. memorable from the year. But um, do you have anything else as we wrap up our finale? No, I mean, I can't believe we've been doing this for six months. That's yeah. crazy. It's been a fun, it's been a fun ride. I think we'll, you know, after the break, we'll have a lot of good content for people. I'm excited for what season two has in store. Yeah. If you guys have any shows that you want us to, um, to cover, please let us know. You can DM Maddie on the account account or Um, email us or any. Do go ahead and listen to the episode about shows we hate. Do not send us one of those (laughs) because you will just be disappointed. We're not going to cover The Office. Sorry. (laughs) I know. I like. I was going to say. I mean, we might cover it. It depends on what you want to do. But no, not The Office. Not The Office. The Undoing. Like, if you want to know why I hated The Undoing feel free to DM me or maybe we can cover it in a season two, depending on if Sophie wants to watch it. But um, yeah, any of those shows that we said we particularly hated. We still sorry. Have, so. we, yeah. I, I will say I've changed my mind on one. 2020 That's has good. been the year of me um, realizing re-watching, stuff. realizing stuff. Yeah. Who was it? The wise Kylie Jenner once said, mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. is the year of realizing things. And mm-hmm. boy, was she right uh my two favorite shows that I watched in 2020 are shows that I previously thought I didn't like Community and Mad Men oh right I'm in season five of Mad Men I'm obsessed it's so good um I get the hype it just took me a little while to like get into the pacing of the show but it's like not even that slow I don't know I think I just I don't know why I was turned off I think it just felt long like I think the episodes just feel really and now I catch myself being like please don't be over Oh, yeah. I just never cared about Don Draper's personal life, which seems to be more than 50% of the show. Like, I'm like, ugh, he's just a bad guy. That's the moral of, like, all of it. I wonder if once you, since you're watching The Sopranos, if once you finish that type of storytelling, if this will be something that you're interested in, because it's the guy who wrote, the creator of Mad Men worked on The Sopranos and did this during a hiatus. So 
you figure out because like Don Draper has like a ton of skeletons in his like closet, mm-hmm. like he's a bunch of hidden shit. Um, and once that stuff starts making sense, his like home life starts to matter less. I also just like the amount of times I scream at my TV, please don't hook up with her. Not even because <laughs> I don't want him to cheat, but because it's like your daughter's teacher or like your secretary. I'm like just sleep with someone who would person. be helpful if you just yes. didn't <laughs> just like not your client like not your client's <laughs> wife like literally someone that like your crossover is zero like I don't oh it's not even God. that I care that he's having affairs I'm like stop doing it with people who will get caught oh my god like the risk <laughs> is so high it's but <laughs> it, it got like the I would say the end of season three is whenever I was like oh wait this is like a favorite show like it has switched okay. in my mind from like I'm really enjoying this to like I'm going to annoyingly talk to people about it. Wow. wow, wow, wow. So okay, well, obviously maybe, the show maybe next year I'll have to uh, give maybe. it another try. It's so good. <laughs> oh, but of course they took it off every streaming site. So I'm having to pay for AMC TV. That's rude. Yeah. It's like cool. <laughs> like it's 2020 make everything free. It's least. the only it's show. The least. AMC. It's the least we can do. They should but, be pressed really. Oh, love it. All right, all right. Well, I guess we'll see you guys next year. Yeah, we'll see y'all in 2021. Hopefully, it's a uh, well at this rate, no, whatever. It's going to be better than this year. <laughs> Here's the hoping. All right. All right. Bye. 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 This podcast is produced by myself, Sophie Orlich, with help from Jake Orlich. No relation. Maddie Line is my favorite co-host, and our lovely theme song is by Chandler Reeves. For news and updates, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Single Best Scene or check out our website at singlebestscene.com. If you've enjoyed this episode, and especially if you're one of our actual friends, make sure you're subscribed to the pod and drop us a five-star review. We deserve it. Autoplay next episode. it's us again this is just a quick reminder for you guys to make sure you are subscribed to the pod on itunes or on spotify or wherever you get your podcasts it really helps us and with our audience and it really helps you make sure you don't miss an episode as these do drop on tuesdays weekly Second thing is actual exciting news. We are doing a little giveaway of sorts. If you go and give us a review on iTunes, then screenshot the review and email it to us at singlebestscene at gmail.com, we will send you a very special Single Best Scene sticker. So get those reviews in and we will get you a sticker and that's it. Thanks.